Good morning. Merry Christmas. Woohoo! 20 days, right? Oh, don't say that, Rick. Right? Uh, um, actually, you're in, the, you're in the right place for that, uh, for, for uh, that reality, because today we're going to talk about Christmas in a way that I think makes some sense. In 1963, a, a game show debuted on television that if you're old, you remember really well. If you're young, you remember a different version of. Uh, for the first 12, uh, maybe for the first 25 years of the show, the host was Monty Hall. For the last 12 years, it's been Wayne Brady. Uh, the name of the show? Let's make a deal, right? That It was a show all about people dressing up in crazy costumes, and uh, the host would come out and choose a, a participant and give them a prize and say, this is what you've got. Do you want to keep it or do you want to trade it? He'd, he'd take out an envelope and give them $500, bill, $100 bills and say, do you want to keep that $500 or do you want to trade it for something better? That, that's the whole premise of let's make a deal. And sometimes he'd say, you know, do you, want, do you want the cash? Do you want what's in the box? And you wouldn't know what was in the box. And the person, you could see him analyze, $500 in my hand, something in the box, what am I going to do? I want the box. And they say, okay, you have the box. Now, do you want to take what's in the box, or do you want what's behind door number one, right? And it, and it would create this sense of what do you trade, what do you know that you have, and are you willing to trade it for potentially something better? Um, this series that we start today called A Christmas Uncluttered. A Christmas uncluttered, making space for what really matters, is all about the trade. It's all about let's make a deal. It really is this sense of you know what Christmas has been in the past. You know what you've experienced. Are you willing to trade that past experience for something that potentially could be so much better? Today, we want to talk about whether or not you could trade all of the busyness, all of the stuff, all of the activity that comes with Christmas for wonder, for wonder at Christmas time. Um, the uh, Christmas, when you think about it, it really is all designed to be about wonder, right? Unless you're Ebenezer Scrooge, Christmas is about wonder. And, um, does anybody know anyone who hates Christmas? Yeah, some of you. Are any of you people who hate Christmas? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, if so, I, I really do get that. You're probably that way because bad things have happened in the past that are associated with Christmas. Maybe, maybe in past Christmases you've been through disappointment or, or uh, divorce or death. Or you've got broken family relationships, and when Christmas comes, you think, I don't just want to mess with those at all. Maybe Christmas for you in the past has been about, not about family, but about isolation. Maybe it's been about unfulfilled expectations. And so you come into Christmas, and, and you've learned as an adult not to enjoy Christmas. Um, it's, it's a learned thing. It's not that way for kids, though, right? If you think about when they're little, um, what makes Christmas so wonderful for, for children? It's because Christmas is filled with wonder. Everything is new. They, they see wonder in the lights and the decorations. 
They see wonder in the tree with presence underneath. They see wonder in this being that sees them when they're sleeping and knows when they're awake, right? And that gives good gifts to them. He knows every, everything about them. Um, for, maybe you've not had bad experiences, but for many adults, wonder has gotten lost for us in Christmas. My dad used to say that, um, you know, you're getting old when, when, um, when your life becomes a parade of Christmases. That was his phrase. It's like they just come one after another after another. And for some of us, um, when we experience Christmas, we think, oh, yeah, I've been there, done that. Here we go again, singing the same carols, doing this, you know, getting the decorations. We've learned to, to lose the wonder that's associated with Christmas. Rather than seeing joy, we see selfishness. Rather than seeing something new and fresh, we see something old, something same old, same old. Rather than what can be, we see what isn't, the people who aren't there, the things that others have but you don't, the social media mix, uh, the social media pictures of everybody else's perfect Christmas where your Christmas is gonna be about that person who gets drunk or that lousy meal or not very many presents or that fight that's gonna happen about COVID or politics. As adults, we've got to understand that we determine what our grasp of Christmas is this year. We, we choose to determine what we're going to focus on. We need to regain the sense of wonder that we find in scripture. Listen to, listen to Isaiah's prophecy hundreds of years before Jesus was born. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Just a few chapters before that, Isaiah had prophesied, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. Talk about wonder. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Think about that for a second. The God of the universe, the God who created everything, the God who knows everything about us, is here with us, in us now, through the Holy Spirit. But it's because Jesus came to earth to live among us. Emmanuel. What's it, what does it take to recover a sense of wonder at Christmas time? What's it take to, to, to get a sense of wonder at any time in our life? I think it's this. I think more than anything, it's that we need time. When we're so busy, when we're going from item to item to activity to activity, we lose the ability for wonder to come in and to grab hold of our hearts. We need time, time to pause, time to reflect. And we need something that's awesome enough to cause us to pause and reflect. If you think back about the Old Testament, time and time again, God told the Israelites to make altars to remember significant events that had happened. Why did he do that? Because they needed, whenever they encountered those altars, to stop and to remember the faithfulness, 
the goodness and the power of God in that place. Why is Washington, D.C. so filled with monuments to Washington and Lincoln and FDR and Martin Luther King Jr. and World War II and the Reflecting Pool and the, the Iwo Jima Memorial and the Korean uh, War Memorial, the Vietnam Memorial? It's not just so that when we go there, we remember. It is so that we remember, but so that we reflect and we wonder about the sacrifice that was given by, the, by those individuals and in those wars. One of the things that you'll find if ever you visit D.C. is particularly, this is my experience, we lived in D.C. for about 20 years. Anytime that you walked into the Lincoln Memorial or that you walked down to the Vietnam Memorial, as soon as you entered that area, everyone got quiet. There just was this sense of solemnity, of, of, of quietness, of wonder that took place in those places. There was time, people slowed down, and they took time to reflect on what, as a nation, we had experienced in those time periods. What, as a nation and, and as individuals, we may have, how our lives may have been impacted. Only the most callous run through the Vietnam Memorial. Only the most callous run and play beneath that statue of Lincoln. It's not just out of respect there is this overwhelming sense of wonder and awe. If you're a follower of Jesus, that sense of wonder and awe takes place there when you realize how God has had his hand on our nation and on, on the leaders during those times. We need, to, we need to regain this sense of wonder about the birth of Jesus this Christmas. You know, instead of wonder, we often gravitate towards activity. Busy is a cheap substitute for wonder, right? Busy is a cheap substitute for wonder. We experience wonder and we think, if I can just duplicate that that I experienced that particular time, everything will be great. And so we start to chase events to try and create that duplication of wonder that we had in the past. When God really knows that what we need to do is to slow down, that we need to pause and reflect to grasp that wonder. Not more activity, but probably more rest. God modeled and mandated both a Sabbath day and a Sabbath year uh, in the Old Testament for the Jews. God modeled it at creation. He worked six days and created things, and on the seventh day he rested. Um, he mandated that as well for, for the nation of Israel. Um, don't forget that in the time that they had been enslaved in Israel, they were working seven days a week, making bricks, building the monuments to Pharaoh, building the tombs for Pharaoh, seven days a week, perpetually. And when they left Egypt, God said, hey, here's the deal. I'm giving you a gift. This is, this is in, in the book of Exodus, uh, Exodus 16, um, verse 29. He says, I give you a gift of Sabbath every seventh day. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to rest. I'm going to provide for you, and on the sixth day, I'm going to give you twice as much as you need. And so on the seventh day, you just simply pause and rest. God knows that we need that. Um, the word Sabbath means to stop. It means to cease. It means to pause and to rest. 
That's what God did after creation. That's what the nation of Israel did as they were tromping through the promised land for 40 years. Every, every Saturday, every seventh day, they rested. A few months ago, I preached on Sabbath. I don't know if you remember that or not. Yeah, sure, Rick, yes, we remember. Um, uh, and, and, and we recognized in that that we don't often, as Americans, pause and rest one day a week because we think that we can't afford to. We think that we have to go seven days a week to get everything done that we need to. And I said it comes down really to a matter of faith. Do we believe that we can do more in seven days than God can do through us in six days? Um, as a staff, over the last couple of months, we've read a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. It's a great workbook, uh, great concepts that are there. And so as a staff, we've, we've been working through that. Um, we had a discussion this past Tuesday about the last few chapters, and one of the concepts that's in those chapters is this concept of Sabbath. And I just want to be really transparent because the conversation among the staff was that we all kind of said, yeah, I believe that. I believe that we need to rest. Chris was leading and he said, do you do it? And we all said, eh, I believe it. I believe that we need to take that time and to experience Sabbath. But it's, that's a hard thing to do. We need, God has designed us to have that rest. Um, if, I, if I can get back to the celebration of Christmas, I think most of us here on December 5th think, oh yeah, I really, I really want to experience wonder this Christmas. I really want to just really rest in the reality that Jesus came to earth for us, for me. But I got all these things I gotta do. I've got all these activities that have to take place. Um, I, I've got these parties that need to happen. I've got presents to buy. Uh, I've got all this stuff. I know I need to, but I don't think I can. I just want to challenge you to kind of rethink that this year. It's easy for us to substitute activity for substance. We, we think, you know what? If we have great decorations, the best in the neighborhood best in our family, that means that we're going to have the best Christmas. And so we invest hours of buying and putting up decorations. They're beautiful, but decorations are not what Christmas is about. The barn and the manger didn't have twinkle lights. We think if we have the best food, the traditional food, the comfort food, the memory-making food, that means that we're going to have the best Christmas and we're the best parents for our children. So we invest weeks of planning and preparing food. The smells and taste, they do make incredible memories, and it's good. But the shepherds didn't have a golden corral-type buffet as they left the mountainside to go into Bethlehem to see Jesus. We think if we have the best gifts, the most thoughtful, the most expensive, the biggest, the funniest, the most romantic that will be the best spouse, the best parent, the best child, the best sibling. So we spend hours of time searching and buying and wrapping presents. Some of those presents are incredibly meaningful, but many are purchased or given to just simply offset guilt, to buy affection, to manipulate people with whom we have strained relationships. And we give those gifts 
because of the example of the wise men. But we miss the reality that the gift of Jesus leaving heaven and coming to earth didn't have anything to do with gold and frankincense and myrrh. Listen to what God's word says. When we think about what we've allowed our culture to, to speak into us about how we celebrate, celebrate Christmas. Paul wrote in Romans 12, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Do you do you see that when we don't let the world shape us, we, we're free to experience that wonder? One of my favorite passages of scripture is Psalm 46.10 that says, be still and know that I'm God. I'm gonna be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. In that stillness, we're surrounded by the wonder of who God is and how big he is. We think, though, if we can just go to one more program, see one more show, watch one more movie, shop at one more store, then Christmas will really be Christmas. I'll create a more meaningful experience and better memories for my kids. I'll have a deeper love for my family. I'll be a better parent, a better friend. So we add more and more and more things to our schedule. And amazingly, it doesn't help. It actually makes us more angry more agitated, more resentful, and experience less peace because busy is a cheap substitute for wonder. When Jesus was doing ministry, he had close friends and he wrestled with this very concept. It wasn't about Christmas, but it was about being busy and missing what really mattered. Luke, one of the biographers of, of Jesus' life, described it this way. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you're worried and upset about all the details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary discovered it, and it won't be taken away from her. What Jesus said was, in all the stuff, there's lots of activity. There are things that need to be done. Yeah, that's true. But focus on what really, really matters. Find the wonder at Christmas. What matters most is being with Jesus. I, I hope that that's why you're here this morning, that, you can, that this is a time that you can refocus on him and recognize God's tremendous love for you. What matters is listening to Jesus, being focused on Jesus, hearing his words that bring peace and life and grace. I, I, I really get um, Christmas is, is a hard holiday for a lot of people. The most wonderful time of the year becomes oftentimes a time of sadness and depression and struggle. If that's where you're living, if you're dreading Christmas, can I encourage you to take your eyes off all of the commercial stuff and put them on Jesus? 
Take your eyes off the movies, off the presence, off the broken relationships, off all of the things that you want to escape and put them on the simplicity of the manger. Maybe your life's a wreck right now. There's stuff going on health-wise, family-wise, that's just a struggle. Take your eyes off that stuff for a second and put them on Jesus. God came to earth to fix a broken world. He was born in simple circumstances without any fuss. He came for love. And in that simplistic, in that simple setting of the manger, our lives were changed. Our destiny was, was altered. I, I love the words of Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And he turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He's given me a new song to sing, a hymn phrase to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. An uncluttered Christmas, an uncluttered, an uncluttered Christmas means removing the busy and finding wonder. Um, you know, when I talked about, let's make a deal, it's all about the trade. It, it, we have to get rid of something in order to get something else. And so here's the thing that I want to communicate to you as much as anything this morning. In order to really see Jesus in all of his glory, to experience the wonder of Christmas, there are things that we have to remove from our life. And for each of us, that's probably, those are probably different things. Because Jesus came to restore you, not to exhaust you, Right? He came to give you life. In order to, to add or replace, you've got to get rid of things. How do you remove things and help rediscover wonder this Christmas? Let me, let me give you just some real practical ideas. Three things today. Um, when you leave today, maybe over lunch or brunch, um, get out your calendar, get out your to-do list, and, and look at everything that you have planned for December. In every blank space that you can find on your calendar right now, write in there, into your calendar, the words wonder event, all right? Wonder event. Fill up every space on your calendar so that when somebody says, hey, can you come do this? You're able to say, you know what? I've got something on my calendar already. I can't do it. You don't have to know what that wonder event is gonna be. But if you take the time to put into your calendar a wonder event every day, every night, you know, five nights a week, whatever it is, God will allow you to disengage from all the busyness and you may experience that wonder um, in ways that, that, uh, that, that you don't anticipate at all. Um, uh, <clears throat> can you still say yes to other events when you've got a wonder event on the calendar? Sure you can. You can say, okay, that's gonna be my wonder event but you can, you can make that choice. I'm, I'm serious about that. Put that on your to-do list. Do it, write it into your calendar so that, so that you can look forward to that, the um, opportunity that you can experience the birth of Jesus. Second thing I wanna encourage you to do is this. Look at your calendar and your to-do list, all the things that you have to do, everything that's there right now for the month of December. Um, maybe through New Year's. 
and, and categorize every item that you have there with one of three categories. Have to, want to, or doesn't really matter. Have to, want to, or doesn't really matter. Start with the items that, that are marked doesn't really matter. Um, can, can I recommend that you create a Christmas Sabbath this year and all those things that don't really matter, just simply rest instead. Eliminate those gifts. Remove those events. Give yourself permission to disregard those obligations because they don't really matter. On the, on the items that you mark have to, ask very objectively, is this something I really have to do this Christmas? What happens if I don't do those things? Maybe the best measure is, what if I get sick? What if I were to get, what if I were to have to go into COVID quarantine for the next two weeks? What, what would not get done? What would happen? What would I do? Some of those have to items are really important. They're important to your kids. They're important to your spouse. They're important to your job. But maybe, just maybe, some of those have to my items are only have to in your head, in your heart. They're not really have to. And the items that are marked want to, I, I would encourage you, again, in that same sit-down time, to just simply prioritize them and determine which will help you experience the wonder of Christmas this year the most. Have to, want to, doesn't really matter. The third recommendation that I would give you is determine um, what will help you experience childlike wonder this Christmas. For everybody, that's different. It may be to sit in your living room with all the lights off except the lights on the tree, to have a cup of coffee or a cup of hot chocolate, and to listen to Christmas music, and to do that one or two or three nights a week. I, I can remember as a kid, my mom kept the Christmas tree up until February because we had five kids and a big family, lots of stuff going on. And she would say, I want to celebrate Christmas and I can't do it in December. So she, every night, would turn off all the lights and, and, and uh, have the Christmas tree lights on and sit at night listening to music. Maybe, maybe it's that. Maybe it's taking your young children to some place where they'll experience wonder and taking the time to experience that through their eyes. To not just see it as an activity, but to see the experience, to live the experience through their eyes. Maybe, maybe it's watching some old videos or, to look, or looking at some old pictures and remember, remembering the wonder of past Christmases. Maybe it's going to see grandparents or some people in a, in a senior's facility and singing Christmas carols with them, Experience, experiencing the joy on their faces. Maybe it's reading the story of Jesus' birth from Luke 2 and having a birthday party for Jesus with cake and ice cream. Maybe, maybe experiencing the wonder of Christmas is, for you is about fixing a meal for somebody in need. Maybe it's about inviting somebody that you know who will be alone this Christmas to be a part of your Christmas celebration. Make that list of those things that you think, I can find wonder in these, in these events. Our, our walk through light experience this year 
um, is designed to create space for wonder. It, it really is quite simple. Um, Friday night when I was here and just walked through, I thought, this is just what, what we had envisioned as a staff. It's quiet. The, the, the lights are just really nice. Got a fire going. Got some quiet Christmas music that happens. Got the glass blower going, that kind of thing. That's cool. But there, as you walk through the story and read each panel, there is this sense of being able to breathe and to not feel, and to not feel like you have to rush from item to item to item. Whatever ends up on that list of Christmas wonder, make it a priority in the next few weeks to pursue, to pursue several, not everything that you have on the list, but maybe one or two a week, maybe just one a week. Focus on that thing. Our goal on Christmas Eve will be to help you experience the wonder of Jesus' birth. One of the most difficult decisions Deb and I ever made to remove busy at Christmas was in 1993. We lived in Maryland, 550 miles from our parents in Ohio. We'd been married for 12 and a half years, and every year we traveled home for Christmas. That was a part of our tradition. Our daughter, Gabrielle, had been born towards the end of uh, November. Um, I, my wiring is to be all about activity, and I thought, how cool is this going to be to take this grandbaby, the, I mean, for my parents, it was like grandbaby number 15 or something like that. They don't come out once you hit the teens, uh, you know, for every birth that comes. Um, and I thought, how cool is this going to be to take this newborn and ha have them experience their first Christmas at grandma and grandpa's, go through all the traditions and all that stuff. And um, Deb sat me down and said, Rick, we cannot travel 550 miles with four kids under the age of eight, with one of them a newborn, driving through the snow in the mountains of Pennsylvania and West Virginia. I remember she said, it's not smart, it's not safe. Um, I know what our traditions are. I know how much you want to be in Ohio for Christmas, but we can't do it. You know what? She was right. And you know what else? I grieved that Christmas. It's funny. A whole bunch of years later, I can still remember every time I heard, every time I heard, I'll be home for Christmas, bing, I'd, I'd start crying. It was like, no, you can't, you can't take this tradition away. We can't stop that string. But you know what? It really was one of the most wonderful Christmases of my life. Because for six weeks, I came home and held a newborn and thought, every night I thought, God came to earth in a body just like my daughter's. The God of the universe left it all and took on this form that was completely dependent on his mom and dad. The love of God was incredible it was the most wonderful Christmas 
I, I think of any. Because the reality of Jesus' birth came to me in a way that it never could in all of those trips to Ohio, in all of the activity and all of the stuff. The challenge for us today is to exchange busy for wonder. Um, don't get me wrong, I, I, I don't, I'm not in favor of blowing up everybody's family traditions, okay? I love family traditions at Christmas. But maybe it's time to take some time off some of those family traditions and instead fill your Christmas with wonder. I, I want to choose to read a passage of scripture that describes that first Christmas. And as I read it, I want you to hear it and experience Experience it in, in a new kind of way. I want you to take off the lens of, of busy and trade it for wonder. I'm not Monty Hall. I'm not Wayne Brady. But I can tell you with certainty that what's behind the door marked wonder is far better than what you hold in your hand that's marked busy. Mary gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and she laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, the promised one, has been born today in, in Bethlehem in the city of David. You will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger, just like the angels had said. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherds' story were astonished, filled with wonder. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. It was just as the angel had told them. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you. I thank you, God. For this season. God I thank you for the reality of Jesus coming to earth. And being born in that little body. And growing up to become our savior. To dying on the cross for us. God we thank you. Help us Lord. That's our, that's our prayer. That's our plea this morning. Help us. Help us say no to busy. Help us say no to more and more and more stuff. And help us to have eyes that look with wonder 
at who you are and how much you love us. Find joy in the people around us, God, and that experience the wonder of a relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.